1: could
0: just be a me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th.
1: Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke F Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, recording from the home bunker. Friends, coming up next is... My weekly conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. And I have to tell you that I'm just going to give you a warning. It is not an uplifting conversation because we're talking once again about guns. This week, we received an update about the shooting of the 25 year old teacher in Virginia by her six year old student. And I just don't have the ability anymore to sustain outrage just for my own mental health and well-being. That being said, I just am beside myself that a six-year-old bringing a loaded weapon to school, critically wounding their teacher, is not receiving wall-to-wall coverage. How fucking broken is America at this point? This is the thought that just keeps consuming my thoughts. I I used to work, as many of you know, who've listened to the show for a while. My background is in education and education policy. I was an elementary school teacher. I taught first and second grade for a couple of years before I went to Capitol Hill to work on education policy. And I have got to tell you that all I keep thinking about when I'm thinking about this six-year-old is like my former students who are now totally grown kids, but like their faces and their inquisitive nature and the fact that I'm going to be honest with you, They're not adults by any sense of the imagination. They're not even tweens, but they are learning right from wrong. They are understanding and learning about expectations, both by their families and by their teachers. You're learning your roles. What the fuck is going on? When one, a six-year-old, has ready access to a loaded weapon, knows that it is a weapon that causes harm, what is going through their mind when they packed that weapon in their bag and went to school? That's the one thing. The second is, why? Why in God's name? If you are a gun owner, do you not have your gun under lock and fucking key? Like and I'm talking like fingerprint style lock and key in your home, out of the reach and out of the sight of fucking children. How do we not have legislation? And one of the questions that I will ask Jonathan, and he provides an, an interesting answer to: is should we? And again, I don't know in knowing what society this is going to happen in, because we can't agree on, you know the existence of climate change, we can't agree on, you know, fair elections. We can't agree on whether or not gravity exists, like in this current fucking climate of America. But should there be the pursuit of laws on the books that would make it criminalized if your weapon is not under lock and key, a child gets access to it and kills somebody or critically wounds them. Should you not be held liable? Because the responsibility is on the gun owner. I mean, I have so many questions about what is happening in that home. What is going on with that child? Were there red flags? Why is a gun just laying a fucking around? There are so many questions that have yet to be answered and probably never will be. But I'm like, if you want to carry a weapon, if it's your fucking constitutional right to do so, must the rest of us live in a hostage zone? Because I'm telling you, we are finding so many ways to make it certain that Those that want to educate kids, those that want to be teachers and caregivers are going to run from this profession because I'm telling you that in this day and age, I would never. My sister, as you all know, is a teacher. She's working at an independent school in New York. And, you know, thankfully, the school that she is working at is currently, you know, very small and is really about, you know, progressive ideas and all of these things. But that doesn't mean that the community is okay with that. That doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about somebody coming into that school and wanting to shoot it up. And that should not be a thought. My sister never had to think about those things when she was teaching abroad. And I think it's absolutely insane that one of the things that has her wondering if she wants to continue with education in a classroom capacity is her own safety. I don't know, folks. I don't know what the answer is, but I got to tell you that this story, among so many others recently, about children being shot and shooting other people is just, yeah, I guess we have, it, you know, outrage fatigue as to why this isn't making the kind of news that it should. I don't know. Coming up next, my conversation with our friend, Dr. Jonathan Metzl. Folks, you know that whenever we have the opportunity to talk with our in-house doctor, Dr. Jonathan Metzl, I am always pleased. And folks, you know, I, I also want to shout out people who have been sending um, DMs and tweets, Jonathan, to us about appreciating the, our co- uh, consistent conversations around COVID. Um, I know that for some people it can be like, oh, why are we still talking about this? Well, because 500 people a day are dying um, still of COVID-19. And so Jonathan, I just want to say to you, I consistently appreciate our in-depth conversations, uh, that we get to have on the issues that are just not being touched upon in the mainstream. That being said, um, another conversation that I am just blown away is not receiving the type of wall-to-wall media coverage that it should is the horrific incident That happened in Virginia at a elementary school, a six-year-old dear friends brought a gun to school, let off one round teacher, 25 years old, took a defensive posture, put up her hand. The bullet went through her hand and into her chest. The child now Jonathan is in custody. No idea what is happening with their parents. But I just want to open up my first question with you, which is just like, what the fuck? Like, how could this? I, and, I, and I say that I'm, I don't even say it tongue in cheek. I'm just like, what does it say about a country where a six year old can bring a loaded weapon to school, point and direct it at a teacher, critically injuring them, and it doesn't make the headlines?
0: Well, you know, I mean, first of all, you're right. It is a horrible tragedy, and it's a tragedy on so many levels. So I just want to acknowledge that I'm not in any way making light of it. Um, but I but I would say that the headlines around this story were so bizarre, right? Because first there's this thing, six-year-old shoots teacher, and you just think like, what world am I living in? First, so first when you see it, it's like a six-year-old shot a teacher? That's insane. And then the headlines after that are the gun was legally obtained. Like the, uh, the headlines the last couple of days is it was a legally licensed weapon of the mother, right? And so, oh, oh, that explains it. It was a legally obtained firearm. That that in that case, never mind. And so, and then there's a discussion about like, should this child be charged? <laughs> you know, like, and you just think like, it, on every level, there's so much wrong. But I would say that it ties back to a lot of stuff we talk about when we talk about guns here, which is it's about habituation, right? 15 Mm -hmm. years ago, a story like this would have been like a national reckoning. It would have been, um, you know, where have we gone wrong even like 10 years ago? um, But it's just the level of the level of violence, really the level of everyday violence that we're used to, that all the the debates after this are, you know, do that should they have metal detectors in schools oh they don't have them in every room whatever i'm just like like that the metal
1: detectors are not the fucking problem yeah right like it's it's the and 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 to your point it's not even i don't care if the weapon was illegally obtained or legally obtain the fact that you have a loaded gun in your friggin' home that is not under somebody's lock and key and that we don't have laws in Virginia or a, I, I don't know, Jonathan, you tell me in what states do we have laws that require gun owners to have their guns under lock and key out of the reach of children
0: and like. Yeah, you know the thing is, like, you're almost not talking about a law here. It's just so obvious in a certain kind of way. I, I know, kind of, you know,
1: but I'm like, if yeah. you can be held criminally responsible and or liable, right? I yeah, I, I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, I, I I'll argue both sides of this, right? For okay. This case, because on one hand, it would a criminal would liability would would lock would it would it matter. In this case, if the, it's a mother, I think as I understand it, a single mother. As, as I, I'm not sure, but that's the story I saw. Um, would 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 it criminalizing this stop it from happening? Um, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. But I can say the flip side, not about this particular case. Um, yeah. You know, this case happened obviously in Virginia. Virginia actually has some gun laws. Um, not a ton. They used to have a lot more. Um, but, but I would say the flip side of it having not, not to do with this case is, is about this question of liability. And the reason I'm saying that is because we had a case here in Tennessee about Mm -hmm. 10 years ago. Um, which is, I I mean, it's like, there's a, there's, there's no hierarchy. We're at the bottom of the horrible pyramid here, but the case we had here is a seven-year-old shot a four-year-old, um, from an unsecured gun. And I can say that, there is the bigger issue is that at, in Tennessee, we tried to say, um, we're going to, we're going to make parents, we're going to make pass a law that parents have to lock their guns when their kids are around, um, to prevent, possibly prevent this from happening again. Mm-hmm. And I will say it was almost part, it was one of the reasons why I got into this whole field is that Democrats agreed, Republicans agreed, everybody agreed. We have to lock up, guns when there were kids around. It was such an obvious case. It was called McKayley's law. Mm -hmm. And the group that I'm affiliated with safe Tennessee was one of the leads of this. It was happening like uh, in rural Tennessee and everybody agreed. The judge agreed, the people agreed that the vote was going to be the next day. And somehow the day before the vote happened to make it a law that the gunners had to lock up their guns. The NRA sent in a ton of lobbyists and basically they they're very powerful here if we if we kneecap you guys you're never you know we're going to run billboards against you we're going to come out against you you're never going to see elected office again and they threatened the people who were going to vote for it and the next day all the republicans voted against it because the NRA was such a powerful lobby they were going to vote they were going to vote them out in, in a certain kind of way and so the issue is First of all, seeing up close the power of what that means, because they were not they were not <laughs> they were not getting right. They, they really could have, you know, people who cross the NRA here, they're they're gone, right? They're gone. And that's just the way the system works. So the, what I learned about this was, first of all, even something as uncomplicated as like, let's lock up guns when kids are around. It's like this mentality of you give them an inch, you give them the whole thing. We're not going to give them anything. So this is, seems like the most obvious case. Number two is that if gun reform wants to get serious, it has to actually buffer. It has to give a room for these people in the middle who want to do the right thing. Like, you know, we're going to mobilize to keep you in office or we're going to all vote for you as a Republican or something like that. Like the thing is, the threat of losing their job was so real. The NRA power was so real that even in this case, it just turned the votes and we we lost the case. I mean, we lost the case.
1: I mean that that to me, like Jonathan, in this instance, right, as you're talking, I'm thinking to myself, okay, let me think about this through the lens of these um uh bullshit evangelical pro-lifers who walk around towns with these horrific made-up images of twisted bodies, right? Twist twisted, twisted fetuses right this is the thing that they do everybody has seen this how is it that we on the side of sanity do not use that same logic right that same which is illogical but use it in a logical way that is how are you for 7 year olds with guns how are we not running then campaigns that say if you are voting against it, a, a measure that is about keeping children safe, but you call yourself the party of family values, then clearly you don't want children safe. You want them riddled with bullets. So why don't we have then Michaeli's face and whomever's face that has been taken by gun violence up on these signs and saying, if you're voting against this, then you want children dead like well, that because yeah. I, cause you want to go at it with the Oh, we'll rally around you and keep you safe, and I'm like, "Fuck you!" Because it's not about them wanting to keep their jobs; they want to keep power. That is, that, that's a completely different conversation.
0: That's exactly right. No, you're exactly right. And and what I would say is, there's no counter to that power, right? The NRA is threatening to take away their power, but there's no flip side in a certain kind of way. I mean, certainly we rally after after mass shootings and all these kind of things, but I would say that part of the issue, like the NRA. In the book I'm writing now, it talks about how the left doesn't understand gun power. That's kind of one of my arguments. Because even what you just said implies there are rational actors who will be swayed by, you know, voters who will see the images of these kids and stuff like that. But the thing is, the NRA has already leveled the playing field. I mean, already it's like the NRA already owns the judges and the politicians. Right, right, right. And so in a way by the time it gets to the rational voters whose minds might be swayed, the whole thing is already, um, the whole thing is already decided in a way. And so, I mean, part of what I'm trying to think about, and I don't know the answer is like the gun safety movement needs to think much more about not just leveling with like the reason of people, but also like, how do you get like upstream power in a way? Because again, there's this, this case and so many others, There's no counter, like the NRA can come in and say, we control the system, either you agree with us or you're kneecapped and you're swimming at the fishes or horse heads in your bed or (laughs) cement, um, cement, you know, ski boots or something like that. Um, But there's no counter to that, right? The only thing we have is like appealing to people's moral thing to vote differently than they do. And and unfortunately, or to act differently, they do. It's just like, we're already way too downstream. Right. So the question is, like, how do you get up to the level of power where there's a stake to play at the level of power? And that's the hard question for this gun debate. Right. Because like the gun rights movement always says, like, 80 percent of people agree with background checks. And that's great. But it does also doesn't matter because the other side already controls the judges and the politicians and the Supreme Court and all that stuff. And so. The question is, like, what does upstream gun safety power look like? That's a really hard question, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. don't know. But, but I think it's kind of in line with your question, right, which is, which is, um, I mean, the NRA figured it out, right? They figured out the power is in judges. That was That was their insight. Um, and then they own the judges. And
1: and my and my feeling is that okay, so we're not going to get those judges back. Sure, we have Joe Biden that is in office right now that has appointed more federal judges than Obama did in his first term. So great, we're on the right path. Except, you know. We have to ensure that Biden gets a second term and then we have to ensure after that that we have Democrats consistently down the line in order to be able to and we hold the Senate in order to be able to get these judges approved over and over again. Right. That we have to over index in a way of judicial appointments in order to catch up with the way that the Republicans have been able to rewrite the judicial map. I believe, however, that we can actually own the narrative and the media and the information landscape, that there has been no continued push except outside of these outraged headlines, right? That then dissipate. The reason why, and here's a question for you, Jonathan, like, why do you think that a six-year-old shooting their teacher and critically wounding them is no longer headline news? Is it because we needed that six-year-old to take out the entire fucking classroom because that's our bar now?
0: Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make any moral equivalence. Uh, this is a horrible tragedy. Um, Uvalde was a even yep. bigger tragedy. I know. And, and Uvalde did get the media attention and it did get the headlines and it did kind of get some nominal legislation passed, but even then we went back to the baseline. And so I just think that the outrage about these cases, it's certainly what you have to do to mobilize your side, right? But but I just feel like, I don't know, I don't mean to be too defeatist, but I mean, at times like this, and certainly I think there is something about the media narrative, you're exactly right, that the reason something like this disappears from the headlines, I have no evidence for this, but it's not an accident. <laughs> You know, and that's
1: what, and that's what I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. No, there's there's bots, there's disinformation, there's algorithms. Like it's not disappearing from headlines by accident. Um, Just like after mass shootings, they disappear. And I think it's not just people lose interest. I mean, they do. There's science on that. But it's also that um, there's something driving this out of the headline (laughs) that I think is not an accident. Um, Now that being said, I just think that outrage alone is not a motivator. And why is it not mm-hmm. a motivator? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a vote motivator because gun rights people vote much more reliably than gun control people. No doubt. So that's shown again and again. Even though this, guns are a wedge issue, pro-gun people will vote much more reliably um, on the issue of guns um, than, than other people. Other people care about other things. Um, so that's, that's one thing. But again, the other issue is we're just three decades behind in the game for judges. Like to me, that is the, that is the entire story that, um, that, um, and you and I've been talking about it. Oh, for like three years, every single week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, which is that absolutely like there's this horrible case. And then there's the Supreme court of the United States where we've got three Trump judges who were a rated NRA and two other a rated NRA people And their ruling last year, as we talked about, made doing anything about cases like this unconstitutional, right? According to the Supreme Court, if Virginia wanted to do something about this, they would have to, if they wanted to pass a regulation, that regulation would have to be in keeping with the desires of white men who wrote the Constitution like 7,000 years ago. And so, in a way, the framework on which we can do something about it is. Just so much smaller like we just don't recognize that and so I think the issue is part of the issue and I, I know I say this all the time and it's probably like whatever, but you have to see where the power lies right guns gun power is identified power and you have to kind of counter that with your own power and unfortunately even though moral outrage is important in these cases and this case is horrible, And it's just like, get me the hell out of this country if six-year-olds are shooting their teachers. Um, But I also think that you have to learn from the NRA. It was a strategy over the past four decades where they realized where power lay. And so, I don't know. I just, you mean, think about how many times you and I have said, um, judges, judges, judges.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it is really hard. Not to have a defeatist and just a deflated, a deflated emotions around this, you know, and just feeling like we as normal, average American citizens are just being held hostage in so many ways by the zealots, and that there isn't any time that we're going to see in our lifetime relief. Because if we're talking about three decades behind in terms of judge appointments, then we're talking about what having how many democratic presidents in a row and holding the Senate for how long in order to get this in order to even even out,
0: you know, it seems, it seems absurd. Um, you know, the, um, the gun control act of 1968 was a, pretty big achievement right it was a pretty big achievement i mean there were problems with it right but we passed legislation in 1968 that that did a lot of stuff and even the crime bill in the 80s which is or 90s is which is bad in a lot of ways it had an assault weapons ban as part of the crime bill the one that joe biden gets you know so much um blowback about Um, but But when's the last time you saw a gun reform case go before the Supreme Court? We've had tons of gun rights cases. I mean, I can reel them off, you know, from, you know, 2008, 2010, 2012, two years ago with New York and then 2021 with New York, like gun rights cases go before the Supreme Court all the friggin' time. Um, Mm. When's the last time we had a gun safety case go before the Supreme Court?
1: Um, I don't know.
0: Yeah. No, it it hasn't. And so in a way, I just think that, that that's like the imbalance that we have to kind of see, which is, it's not just about moral outrage. It's also about like all this other stuff. Now, of course you need, you need a moral outrage to drive popular support, you know, to get there in a certain kind of way, but it just, I mean, we're, we're figuring this out, but we just have, we're paying, we're paying the price for, I, I think a couple of decades of, not of not playing the game as well as the other side was, or not taking the NRA seriously enough. Um, 2012 was a big moment there. So I don't mean to like, am I bumming you out here?
1: You kind Um, of are, but I mean, it's not, you're not a clown. It's not your job to like entertain me and to have lifted spirits. But at the same time, it's like, it's the reality.
0: Well, I mean, let me be clear. Students should not be shooting their teachers. Six year olds should not have guns. You know, It
1: seems common sense, you know, Seems like a fucking baseline. I mean, like I just want to
0: say as the price of admission, I agree with all the points. Like this shit should not be happening. But I would also say like the where do we go from here? I, I, I don't know. Just for me, I feel like seeing behind the curtain in a way makes makes it makes us feel less helpless because we can see that it's actually part of a strategy, which we're not helpless about. We just have to have better strategies than we've had.
1: I just, you know, I I I will end by saying this. I feel so, I feel so, and I don't even know what the word is, for parents and caregivers. Yeah. I just don't know how people in this country have the wherewithal to send their kids to school and not, like, lose their mind throughout their workday. You know, that every time that their phone buzzes, that it isn't some alert that's saying there was a mass shooting, come identify your child, you know, but we can't tell you at this time, whether they're alive or dead. Like that just seems like par for the course of what it means to be a parent or caregiver in America. And I'm just like, how?
0: But also think about how this ups the ante, right? Because when we think about school shooting, we think about the armed intruder, but now the school shooting is happening by the students, right? In a way it's, it's, there's another thing for parents to worry about. I mean that is, just But this me, is,
1: but that had been the case with several of the high school students yeah. that we have seen have all been students. Yeah. This Do is you know what I'm school. saying? But this this yeah. is in high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's a mess. I mean, I you know in a in a better functioning country, which in Brazil we are not at right now. I'm sorry, in the United States we are at right now. sorry. Uh-huh. Um uh um you know, this would be a moment of reckoning, like, you know, this would be a moment of reckoning about, like, save the children, which is, like, supposedly what, like, those other dudes are all about. But but that's not where we're at. You know, it's just every road leads back to more guns.
1: Yeah. But
0: but I'm an optimistic, cheerful person, and I feel like we're going to change the tide here at some point. And Your new not,
1: book will, so hurry up new, and finish it.
0: <laughs> my new book coming out January next year everybody
1: (laughs) (laughs) we'll hold on and wait until then jonathan we need this book to be life-saving and (laughs) life-changing um as always dear friend we appreciate your analysis and insight um and we'll talk again next week god only knows what'll be in the headlines then
0: well i'll be i'll be i'll be dialing in from California next week. So we can talk about climate next week. Wonderful.
1: Great. (laughs) Hope you won't be underwater or under a mudslide. And just to remind
0: everybody, I love puppies and lollipops are fantastic. I'm totally pro lollipop. I love Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries. So, you know, there's other parts of me too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That are joyful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jonathan.